Whiskey, whiskey, the singer's getting sore. We raise the roof now and we're lowering the floor. The band is blistering, but we got a little more. When I say one, two, you say three, four. One, two, three, four. Welcome to Whiskey Topic. It's Mark Bylock, and I am here with my pal, Jamie Johnson. Welcome back. How's it going there? It's great. Yeah, it's right? great. You know, Isolation. You know, that means I was just watching this morning um, this Instagram video of, I don't know if you watch the Barefoot Contessa Ina Garden, but like I'm kind of obsessed. And it, this morning she posted a video oh, yeah. of her making a giant cosmopolitan. And she was like, <laughs> cocktail hour could be any hour nowadays. And I was like, you know what, Ina, you're not wrong. Um, so, it, <laughs> so it's, um, you know, you just kind of have to roll with the punches at this point, I guess. I think we do. I think we do. I, I you know, at this point, it's, it's, I, I like those. That was, that was good. 9 30 in the morning. It's cocktail hour. We're fine. Oh my it's God. All, she was good. ready to go. And I was like, ooh, a Cosmo doesn't sound bad. There's juice in it. I mean, <laughs> a lot of juice. <laughs> and it was one of those giant, giant glasses. Oh, it, it was, was so not- funny. I highly <laughs> recommend you link to it uh, in the show, like liner notes. It made my day because I didn't actually expect her to pull out this giant like martini glass and it was like it was great comedy anyways that's kind of the spoiler of the joke so maybe never mind <laughs> well I, I i gotta say we, we we've been enjoying uh for all of all of my all of Mar- march we've been enjoying being the number one podcast in iceland um, whoa i know sorry for all of february and, and we lost the title to like uh, bon, uh, bon Appetit uh, podcast, which I was oh. very, yeah, just very disappointing. I, mean, I figure we could, you know, so so Iceland, Iceland our, our, our few Icelandic listeners, uh, if you're listening right now, listen Thanks, a little man. more, tell this your is, friends, gotta get back great. on top. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I I would love to go to Iceland. It's actually on my on my list. I, I don't believe in bucket lists. I just want to go. So maybe that's like a nice little, you know, when this when this whole thing is over, just start to think about where I could go next in the next couple of years. Oh, you're going to travel so much. Iceland uh, is not part of my brand ambassador duties, by the way. <laughs> no, not a lot of <laughs> They don't send me there. there. <laughs> no. Well, we're, we're continuing on a theme of music and whiskey, which I'm very excited about. So we had Alan, Alan Doyle on the podcast, and, um, and and I know he's excited about us, our next guest on the he's podcast. He's very excited. <laughs> I was well, thinking about asking him to come back. I was like, Alan, you sounded pretty, pretty giddy there when we told you he was coming on next. So I... Uh, yeah, this is great. <laughs> well, welcome, Yegeraldo, to the podcast. Um, and you're, Neil, you're going to be here talking maybe about music, but you're here because of Three Chord Bourbon and, uh, and, and whiskey. But we're also probably going to talk about music. So welcome to the podcast, Neil. Well, thanks for having me here. I'm going to join in a little bit on what you were saying about the happy hour in the morning. Yeah. So mm-hmm. my family's a Sicilian. So my family came from Bronte, Catania, Sicilia. So the old guys would always drink grappa in their coffee in the morning, right? Uh-huh. And also the women would open up white wine at about 10 o'clock in the morning. So there's no rule oh. on happy hour. It's happy 24-hour time. Oh, my gosh. I love that. That's like, yeah, in Canada, that would be like uh, like equivalent to like the cottage rules. Like when you're away at your cabin for like the weekend or your cottage and you're on the lake and it's like, you know, it's 10 o'clock and maybe maybe you got into it the night before at the campfire or whatever. It's just a little, a nice, cool white wine spritzer in the morning. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with it. Three-quart bourbon's <laughs> even better in the morning. I'm just saying. That's right. Three-quart right. bourbon. That's what we're here for. So... I was peeking around your website a little bit and um, I'm super intrigued because I think Mark and I, this is the 
I think the third podcast we've done about kind of that music whiskey connection, because there's there's clearly something um, that sort of that brings the two together. Um, it's undeniable, you know, the the sort of we've had the uh, historian from Jack Daniels on talking about Frank Sinatra and sort of that that era. Uh, and then we had Alan Doyle on uh, last week talking about sort of folk music and Celtic music connections. Uh, but we have not yet had somebody like in rock and roll uh, who can speak from like a first person perspective about their connection between whiskey and music. So I'm really curious to he- hear your, uh, your whiskey music story, Neil. Okay. Well, let's see. Let's, let's start a couple places. Um, <clears throat> because my family came from Italy, my mm-hmm. grandfather Nunzio had a still in his basement. And uh, when he came to America and he passed away when I was about seven years old or eight years old, something like that. But even being a youngster and remember sitting on his lap, he'd say, Nilo, Nilo, drink this. And he made his own wine. He made grappa. He made whiskey. So I'd have to say it's on account of him that I, I got involved with this. But there's a lot of things that happened. So I'll give you a little short up up road to, <laughs> to where I'm at right now. When I was about 12, I had low blood pressure. So I went to a Sicilian doctor, Italian doctor, and the guy said, tells my mother, he says, well, he'll be okay. He's got to eat more garlic and drink wine. So <laughs> they decided to give me wine at 12 o'clock, I mean, at, at, at dinner time, at 12 years old. So that's how <laughs> I kind of began. I started drinking that. So, so then we go a little further. Then in my the local bands I was playing in, in Cleveland, Cleveland, Ohio, um, there was one club that um, let the band rehearse there. And his, his stipulation was, you can drink anything you want on the bar, in the bar, but put the empty bottle on the bar, right? So, so I know mm-hmm. what to refill. So I would come in there and my lead singer would laugh because I would come in looking like Rocky Sylvester Stallone. I had the stocking cap, this leather jacket, and I had a box of these sociable crackers. So <laughs> he as soon as I come in, he'd go, there you go. There's a bourbon. And I would drink this stuff called 10 high bourbon. I don't even know if it's considered bourbon. <laughs> but it, uh, we would drink, I would drink it, eat the crackers, and we start rehearsing. So those are my beginnings. Yeah. And that's how I started. Well, it's not exactly how I started this company, but that is my beginnings of, of enjoying, you know, spirits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. No, I think, um, I think, you know, with, you know, you being a, a sort of in within the music industry, um, and we're seeing this sort of like, there's uh, many artists that are sort of getting into, you know, making their own uh, whiskeys. We've in Canada, we've got Drake has his own, uh, and we can sort of see them uh, in many different genres. So uh, why don't you give us a little backstory about three chord? Okay. Yeah. So uh, uh, May 16, 2016, um, I was, uh, because I write uh, treatments, uh, screenplays, uh, you know, TV episodes, sh- uh, shows, things of that nature, as long as song, as well as songs, obviously. And I started working on this project. Uh, it was a sort of a documentary hybrid. And a partner I've done uh, different shows with and things in the past got a hold of me and says, I'd love to hear what your idea is and let's see if we can work together. I said, okay. So we met on May 16th and he said, why don't we get a spirits company, a bourbon or whiskey company to give us Mm -hmm. seed money so we can start a trailer. We could do a trailer for this and we can get more money from them, you know, like angel investing or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I says, well, why don't we start our own company? And he looked at me and he goes, I'm kind of crazy in this way. He looked at me, he goes, you kidding? Are you telling the truth? I go, yeah. So on that day, 
Steel Bending Spirits was born. That's the name of the company, Steel Bending Spirits. So it was born on May 16, 2016. The ironic part is I never finished the documentary story, so, but, but I started the Spirits Company. But I will. I will get back to that. So uh, so I, he says, well, what do you want to do next? I says, well, why don't, why don't we put together a team and get me a master distiller and mm-hmm. And, and get this process all gone. So we, so we worked and we worked quite a bit getting it all, and we put this big team together. But here's, here's how music gets involved in this. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, it's not a celebrity brand because I don't consider myself a celebrity. I'm a musician, I'm proud to be a musician. The messaging behind the brand, that goes with the title, Three Chord Bourbon, mm-hmm. right? So when I was trying to get a name for the product, Every name I came up up with, I I would talk to the trademark attorney and he'd say, nope, taken, nope, taken. I was getting so depressed I couldn't find a name. Then all of a sudden, he, he said to me, he goes, you know, the reason you haven't gotten a name yet is because you haven't got the right one yet. The best one's about to come. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, then it just clicked, mm-hmm. dawned on me. And I said, mm-hmm. three-chord bourbon, three chords and the truth. Now, like we were talking earlier, I don't want to call it three chords bourbon because that doesn't sound as lyric lyrical as it should so three chord bourbons is much better right so anyway we got the trademark and uh, a big part of our company is about uh, musical ambassadorship and I have to get this in because you need to to understand Mm -hmm. what the company is really about Mm -hmm. the reason I started the company was to as a give back program to musicians because musicians it's a very tough life it's a, a very tough career to to feed your family and feed yourself and your friends on it's very very difficult and what i wanted to do was somehow have give back programs and and, and to i'll explain how some of those go uh, where you could be a musical ambassador is when i found out that sun house didn't have a tombstone and i started speaking to the uh, blue societies i couldn't believe that the pioneers before mm-hmm. me the great musicians don't have tombstones. I mean, th- mm. this was so, yeah. I'm so shameful uh, to have a career and mm. all these other people that I know have successful careers and, and they don't, these poor people don't even have a tombstone. So I made it a mission from the start of the company that we would, we would have a give back immediately. We didn't want to wait until our company was worth $150 million, whatever mm. it is. I wanted to give back immediately. So we started these programs of ambassadorships where we, we, we pay the club owner for a band to go in, a local band to go in and play. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll pay their, their fee, not the club mm-hmm. owner. So just various things like yeah. that. So that's really the messaging behind it. And that's really how it started. And now we have, we have a blend. We have a 12-year reserve. We have a rye. We have a, a bourbon cream coming. We're going to do a grappa. Uh-huh. Uh, I wanted a full service. I just didn't want one yep. product. So that's kind of, that's how it began. Uh, so with your, and, and you've gone, you know, you've kind of taken that, that musical aspect of it and you started using the uh, tonal vibrations to kind of finish the blends and, and that. Tell us about that process. Because you're, you're primarily purchasing barrels from Kentucky and Tennessee, correct? And you're, you're, you're blending them? Yeah, properly charred in, in oak barrels and everything else. Yeah, we're doing that. Well, we don't, we don't do vibrations. We don't do any of that. We have a proprietary process that we use a lot of different things. Um, A lot of things with different blending, uh, filtering, uh, you know, a lot of stuff. The thing I tell people when people say vibrations, if they even mention that, I said, we're not really we're not really doing that. What what happens is, you know, 
bourbon is a living thing. You know, it goes into a barrel. It, it has a life in there. And in different parts of the country, which Canada should be phenomenal for 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 bourbon because of the weather. Because <laughs> when it's colder, it actually it's it's better for the spirit. It lives in this barrel, right? So we're we're not a company that plays music in it and does all this stuff. We, we don't do that. Okay. We have a whole uh, special, you know, proprietary thing that we don't really talk about much. But it's it's a process. It's not a gimmick, and it, it works really well. Okay, I love hearing you say that because I, I mean, you know, Jamie and I talk about this on the podcast all the time. How how barrels are, are like these their own little atmospheres, and they and based on the weather and, and the climate around them, they they do their own thing. And so uh, that that's great to hear. You kind of you, you take the appreciation of the barrels, and and anyway, you know, yeah. and, see, yeah. our our feeling is this too: we respect tradition, but we're also disruptors, um, and and that actually goes to my musical career too. And I'll 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 kind of flow right into that in that my whole life as a musician has, has basically been a disruptor. And why, what I mean by that is there's, I have a lot of examples and I, and I have it in a book I'm writing is if I can finish the book and get it out, people would know more what I'm talking about. It's taking me forever to write the darn thing. But it's not easy. Many times I would work on a song, work on a record, write songs, do all these things, hand it to the record company. They go, no, I said, what do you mean, though? He goes, well, no, because I don't even know what this is. He, why don't you do something that people know about? Well, I, the reason I do these things is I want to challenge the audience. It's the same reason why I chose bourbon as the, as the first product to, to make, because it's a challenge to me. And I do that musically as well. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to I wanted to do the, the music and the bourbon and the spirits company to both be who I really am. I am a disruptor. I, I like trying to do things different and challenge the audience and challenge myself. That's what I do. That's great. Did you, um, do you have any inspiration in terms of, you know, when, when you were sort of thinking about bringing forth this spirits company and, and, and other than, you know, sort of personally within your own, um, family, uh, looking out to the other spirits that are around, looking at to other bourbon companies or whatever was in your glass at the time. Is there anyone that you sort of saw or drank and was like, Ooh, you know what? Like that, let's let's do that but you know put our own spin on it is there any anyone out there sure so here how this is how this kind of goes um so say you guys mark and jamie right you guys Mm -hmm. wanted to start a spirits company okay so before you start a spirits company there's your thought well unless you're a distiller you need to find one right Mm -hmm. so you need to find one then you need to find a team all different kinds you need a ceo you need to put all these things together but before you do that you want to taste a taste profile don't you you want it to taste a certain way so what i did is i got with my master distiller and a bunch of folks and we went to a bar and they he knew the bartender really well and they would pour us these little sips of all these different spirits these different Mm -hmm. bourbons and i was supposed to tell them what i thought about them it's too sweet, this is too smooth, too harsh, too much of a hug, you know, all these types of things, mm-hmm. right? So we try all these, and me being a, you know, like this modest, like a, a virgin a spirits company owner, I take these tiny little sips. These guys are taking, <laughs> girls are taking big shots of this stuff. How are you going to taste what this is? This is nuts. So we go through all these. We go through about like about 18 of them, right? So we get to the very end, and the guy pours these little bits, and I take a sip of that, I put the glass on, I go, that's it. 
That's mm -hmm. exactly the profile mm -hmm. I want. I want it to mm -hmm. taste like that. But what he gave us, because as soon as he did it, my distiller put his hand to his head and said, oh, no, why did you have to show him? Why did you have to bring that out to him? It was a 16-year-old Hirsch. And oh, yes. <laughs> I know a 16-year-old Hirsch. <laughs> it is phenomenal. So I took one sip. And now me, again, I'm this new guy to all of this. I, I, you know, I, I was drinking, you know, stuff my grandfather was making in his basement. And still, I mean, I, I'm not used to that. So I took this sip and I went, wow, that's exactly it. So to think that I could be able to have a palate after 18 of these sips, but <laughs> it, this was so impressionable to me. That I said to everybody, I said, that's, that's exactly what I wanted. That, that's my flavor profile. And that's, that's how we started from that. And, and they must have told you that that would be difficult, difficult to reproduce because that is a very herbal, dark, a uh, uh, lot of gold, a very complex drink. So that's, uh, I think it's also weeded bourbon, right? It's, uh, not, not that that really matters too much, but, uh, but yeah, so, so then, so you kind of started, that's a great, great profile to start with. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was pretty, I mean, and we really did all kind, you know, we did, you know, heavy wheat, we did, you know, the obvious corn and we did all the different types of, of, of bourbons that you could, all different kinds, you know, where it went real sweet to too smooth to too harsh to unfiltered, you know, all these things, right? It just, for me, I, I, I particularly liked where that was at and uh, he made all the notes and he had this giant Bible, this thick book, probably about two inches thick of Every, every possible spirit you can imagine that he knew everything that was in it, everything. So it was pretty spectacular. So that's how, that's how the profile, how it started. That was it. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, and I'm, I'm looking, so you've got three, three, uh, different ones right now, the blended bourbon, uh, which looks like is you, that's your flagship sort of standard. And then you've got your 12 bar reserve, which is a 107 proof, which is a really lovely level to be at. Um, that would probably be my favorite. Uh, uh -huh. and then you have the amplify rye. So how, hold on. Are you responsible for naming all of these? Uh, pretty much. <laughs> Oh, that's kind of me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, you know, we, we wanted to keep it, you know, music based yeah. friendly. Right. And then, uh, you know, we, it's, it, listen, the company's called steel bending spirits, but that's, that's yeah. the umbrella. Right. So then you have yeah. all these little things. So three chord, whatever this thing is. So three chord rye, we didn't want to just call it rye. We figured amplify rye. <laughs> that's a great name. I love it. Well, I think the, the people, are, are really loving the rye a lot. I mean, they love the rye, they love the reserve as well, but the rye, they're just going nuts over. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's good. Then we got our cream coming, like I said, a bourbon cream, which is also phenomenal. I, I, I've already passed on the, um, passed over the, uh, my notes on that. We have it, uh, the, the, our profile's done on that and ready. And uh, we got all kinds of stuff coming down the line, so. Exciting. Well, it's very clear that the music, like I, I'm, I'm not sure, and we've, we've taught. I mean, this is episode number 151, I think One. now. Yeah, it'll so, be 152 yeah. by the time. 152, yeah. yeah. So, um, and it's so, it's so apparent. Like I've never heard anyone refer to, um, like their, the, you know, the title of their their whiskey is lyrical, or you know, like the it's it, it is very clear that it, it is. A musician that is got their sort of creative spin on this um 
because I'm not sure if any any other sort of distilleries would would worry about lyricism in what they name their whiskey. And so I, I love that idea of really like bringing it full circle and making sure the story from tip to toe all sort of fits in that one like really nice package. Yeah, well, thank you. I, I, I again is is the only thing I know. So I, yeah. I, I, I'm just adding to these geniuses that I, my team, my team is, they're, they're phenomenal. I, I, all I have to do is come up with, you know, I, like I, I say, oh, I like that. I want it to taste like that or this. And then they make it work. So, I mean, really, it's, and, but the messaging is something, it was really, really important to me. I, I yeah. you know, now more than ever with all the situation that happened and out here with COVID, it, it's just mm-hmm. awful everywhere, all through the globe. And, mm-hmm. and, the, and the musicians you know, when you're a musician and you're playing at clubs and you put your guitar in a case and you go to the club, you get there, you do your gig, you come home. Next day you drive, you go to a different venue. Now these people can't get mm-hmm. to the venue. The doors are locked. So they're, mm-hmm. they're not making any money. Mm-hmm. They're living day to day. Now, how, how are they going to get how are they going to get paid? You know, mm-hmm. it's it's a musician's life. I'll tell you one little funny story is my Uncle Sam. He was my favorite uncle, and I had a lot of them. And he'd say, Nilo, Nilo, I want to tell you something. He says, I thought of every way possible to not work and make a living. He says, whatever you do, don't be a musician. (laughs) 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 That was really funny. (laughs) Well, yeah, I think, think, and I've heard from a couple of my musician friends that this is is sort of, you know, in this new age of digital music, um, and, and streaming, you know, the sort of the idea was, you know, when this started happening, everyone was like, oh, pivot to touring. That's, that's where you're going to make your money now. Now you're, you have to go tour, you have to be, you know, playing live. And, um, because the, that's, that's what you have to do. And now that's not even an option. So, you know, I mean, um, friends who have had to cancel their their tours or postpone them um you know i think you know what we can do like at a very basic level is just go on to their like websites and order some merch and you know if if you can't if the yeah the art and it's very funny because the first people when this is over that will be called on to sort of you know bring the world back together will be the musicians right so (laughs) <laughs> to do a benefit concert or <laughs> so that's i mean it happens yeah. all the time anytime you have a, a natural disaster like this and maybe a recession yeah. depression whatever when you come out of it on the other side i mean people they're so happy to be free to go out of their house and hear live music and celebrate and be happy and that is true but but the, the thing is is you you got to be able to survive to get there and and that's mm-hmm. the difficult part for musicians um Listen, it happens as a musician in every business. You know, I've done mm-hmm. things in film and I uh, did film composing for, uh, you know, assorted films and stuff. But what they do is they'll take three months on a film picture and then I'll say, um, okay, today's Friday. By Monday, could you have the score done by then? They think it's like it's so easy. You yeah. just kind of do yeah. it. They have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> People have yeah. no idea. <laughs> you know? So yeah. No. That's why I, we uh... drink whiskey. that's right you gotta get over it get through the day that's right well how so in terms of like 
process and production. I'm, I'm, how often do you make it down to, um, to your distilleries, to, to the, the spots in Kentucky, Tennessee, and Indiana where you're getting uh, your samples from? Are they shipping them out to you? Um, are you sort of waiting for your, your master blender or master distiller to um, go ahead with that stuff and sort of send it to you for sort of the last final, like, hurrah? Or are they basically just in charge of, um, you know, in terms of process, this is our flavor profile and go off and, and make lots of it. Yeah. So, so the master distiller, you know, once I get the profile and mm-hmm. which are th- those products all done, even the, even the mm-hmm. bourbon cream is done. Once they have that, they have all the clinical information that's necessary. So mm-hmm. my, I don't need to go to any of those places though. I do go to Tennessee and, you know, visit Kentucky, all those places still mm-hmm. go and do that, of course. But, but that's not, that's not what I need to do at this, at this uh, moment of the company. Our, we're doing our process in Michigan right now in uh, outside of uh, Ann Arbor. It was actually in Jackson, but I think it's going to be in Ann Arbor next. So that's where we're doing our process. So so our 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 juice before we uh, get ready to do like, like you as well as you know Indiana, mm-hmm. Kentucky, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. You know, there's your there's your there's your you know your bourbon your whiskey sources mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. and then we do our process in Michigan. And uh, I, I do like meeting everyone and, and talking yeah. to people. I because I, I, I like to learn. To me, this is a this is a business that I, first of all, I I, ne- I never thought I would do. I thought maybe I would make a you know a little grappa here in my you know my house. <laughs> You know, next thing I know, I'm, 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 you know, pallets of whiskey are being shipped all over the country. I mean, I, you know, it's, it, it's, it, but you see, I, I, I challenge, I challenge myself, like I mentioned before, and, and I'm excited about it. I, I really am. I, I, and here's the other thing that's important. This is very important to me. And since you guys both love whiskey, to me, <laughs> whiskey is, is a sipping drink to me. I mean, I, maybe other people want to do shots and do other stuff. That's that's all great, but I want to encourage conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm 64 years old. I go to restaurants with my family. I sit there and I watch other tables, and every single person's on their cell phone. Kids mm-hmm. are on their cell phone. The, the father, the mother, the uncle, the grandparents, everybody, iPads, cell phones. Nobody's talking. I want conversation. I want to encourage conversation. And the other thing people don't know that you guys know is that bourbon and food is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. you drink a nice, neat three-quart, 12-year reserve, I think that's a good one, <laughs> and you have some nice cheese, you have some salamis, pepperonis, you have a little macaronis, whatever. Oh, my God, Parmigiano. I, it's, you know, you're living, you're living big. Yeah, I think people forget that sometimes when we talk about whiskey pair. I mean, not in, you know, my business being with, you know, in single malt, we do whiskey dinners all the time. Um, but you're 100% right. Um, you know, doing, I think people are, are, are very familiar with wine dinners and wine pairings and things like that. But they always forget that piece that like whiskey goes so beautifully uh, with so many things. Beautiful. Um, but it has to be, to me, well, I'm not going to say has to be. I'm going to say my preference is it has to be neat because mm-hmm. because as soon as you hit some ice or too much water, you, you start flattening it out. So if you keep the richness, now think about this. If you're doing something and somebody goes, hey, you want to go to the bar and have a drink? Okay, well, to me, wine you drink, bourbon you sip, 
Mm. Nobody ever says, "Hey, want to go have a sip?" <laughs> Just doesn't sound right. <laughs> but but in reality, that's really what you're doing. You're sipping. You're not drinking. You drink wine. To me, that's just how I take it and look at it. So. Well, Neil, you're definitely our kind of whiskey drinker, I feel. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, um, I, I, you know, like I think, you know, as far as uh, drinking it neat and uh, and sipping and, and just enjoying a variety of whiskey and uh, and food pairings and all that, it's, uh, you're, you're definitely our kind of whiskey drinker. So I, I'm oh, assuming yeah. you're making our kind of whiskey. We weren't, because we live in Canada, there's just no way to send us samples. It's just too many... It's too many issues with, with that. Absolute nightmare. Uh, <laughs> especially right now, we're not going to be clogging up the border with any of that. But, um, we're going to get there, though, because, you, you know, I'll tell you something about Canadians, you guys. So sweet, so nice, so kind. Every time I go up to Canada, I just love everybody. They're so nice. Everybody's so nice. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, it's so funny because I, 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 you forget sometimes living here how nice we actually are. And then, um, like I'll have visitors come from, you know, Scotland or from the States or whatever. And it, especially at the airport, I guess people are so used to, um, cranky people at the airport that they're like, oh my God, everyone that works at the airport is so nice. Like we'll have a conversation. Like you, you sort of t- take it for granted walking through security. You're like, hi, how are you? Oh, fine. Can I have your boarding pass? Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Thank you. Thank you. And that's not necessarily the case everywhere. And unless you travel a bit, you kind of forget that. And it's so nice to come home and be like, oh yeah, I was like, I can just have a little chat with a security guard right here. Like it's, yeah, we're yeah. shocked. You know, you go, it's like, wow, that person actually said hello. And they were nice. I mean, what is this? It's crazy. You do have a lot of rules. I got to tell you, you got we a do. lot of rules. We do. Got a lot of rules. <laughs> that is, that is very true. We, we do. And, 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 and you know what, but during, during this, um, during this whole crisis, bars are now allowed to, uh, now are allowed to send, uh, alcohol along with food and that's like a big deal here in in in, in canada or at least ontario it's mm-hmm. like what um yeah now you can yeah yeah now yeah. you can as of like last week i think um but no it's funny like going to the states or going um like i went to vegas many many years ago and you could walk around with your alcohol like like you can walk it like on the streets with it and i was like blown away this was like my little Canadian brain could not comprehend <laughs> that you could walk on the street with like an open beverage. Like, I yeah, still I, felt like I was breaking the rule. You feel really weird. How old are both of you guys? Thirties <laughs> and forties. Yeah, I'm in my thirties. Okay, thirties and forties. Yeah. Oh, okay, all right. So here, so th- let me just tell you something. That since you're in that great ripe age right there, in the old days when you would go to Vegas. You had to have like a jacket on, and you for a guy you had to look good. You would go, and you would be you you couldn't get into a lot of those gambling places unless you dressed up, to right? You, you, right. Then I remember going, oh, you know, with my wife probably about uh, fifteen years ago, maybe sixteen, something like that, and I saw these guys that were wearing tank tops drinking these drinks that are like about twelve feet tall. <laughs> Right? Yes. And be- baseball caps turned backwards. I'm going, what happened to Vegas? What? If- this is terrible. It like, it lost, to me, it lost all kinds of sense of coolness. It was all of a sudden like yeah. a, like Rome. Like it just went nuts. Not Rome, not today's Rome. I'm talking no. about olden days Rome. It's just mm-hmm. like a free fall, right? So here, I'm going to mention something too about Sinatra, which mm-hmm. you were talking about earlier. Uh, Capitol Records, Capitol uh, Studios, the round building in Hollywood, 
Mm -hmm. um, I used to do, I, you know, I recorded in most of the studios in LA anyway, but I, I did a couple projects there and I remember going there and Frank's, uh, his band orchestra was set up and his little room was set up there and get, his session was starting at like four o'clock and I was there in the afternoon mixing in another room. So I asked the engineer, I says, what's going on here? He goes, we got Frank in, in the band in here. I go, oh wow, great. Can I check out his setup? So they said, <laughs> yeah, okay. So I went in and saw where they, you know, at the horn section, the drummer and all that. So I said, let me see Frank's thing. So Frank had this a uh, little vocal booth made uh, with these gobos between them. Mm -hmm. So the glass is on top and the, in the little cushiony, you know, sound is, uh, absorption on the bottom. So I looked to see what he had in there. Of course, he has a phenomenal mic. It's a Neumann. It's just beautiful mic. But he would have a, a carton of camels, camel cigarettes, yeah. one pack popped out open opened up like so the three cigarettes are sticking out on top of it he'd have a, bot a bottle of whiskey i won't tell you the name <laughs> he would have three cord bourbon there i'm positive of that. that's right and then he had tootsie rolls what candy yeah because he would eat the tootsie rolls drink the bourbon and smoked these these uh, camels or luckies. I can't remember. They were filtered, uh, filterless cigarettes. And that's what he ate, ate and drank when oh. he records. How about that? What? <laughs> Pretty cool, right? That's that so cool. That is very cool. Uh -huh. Oh, my God. I can't believe you got to go into Frank Sinatra's recording booth. Yeah, yeah that's a huge deal. And, 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 so what was, what was your... Uh, what was your... <laughs> Booth looking like uh, when you were recording. What was your whiskey of choice? <laughs> My whiskey of choice is what when I left. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I had it there when I was doing it, I would just want to sit there and <laughs> drink and just fiddle around and not make any sense, you know. So, no, we never really, never really did that. Even um, when I did the, I did a swing record. Uh, in 1989 called True Love and I wanted it to be like Count Basie uh, the old style records where everybody played in the same room horn section everybody mm -hmm. and um, we never we never would drink when, when the session was done we'd have wine we'd smoke cigars we'd talk mm -hmm. but it was always when it was over I never kind of never did that uh, but you you played all the you played all the tough instruments. I mean you you weren't uh, you weren't on the drums. <laughs> well, I guess yeah, I guess you did the drums too. But, yeah. I do play drums. Yeah, I, I do it. I played drums on records. But the guitarist part, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. <laughs> but see, here's the thing. I'll teach you something. Since uh -huh. you guys are in the young age, there, <laughs> a food, a metabolism, your your body, how you hear things, and I bet you maybe you do know this, how you taste things. Uh, differ through the whole day yes right. so when my master distiller told me to try these different profiles that he was working on to so i can try to achieve my her 16 right and he would send me all these bottles these little samples and he goes i want you to take one i want you to try it at nine in the morning noon three o'clock six o'clock nine at mm -hmm. night mm -hmm. and he said to write down what you think of them and you know what at each time of the day they tasted different yeah it yeah. was it was yeah. really really weird, but yeah. but it was so consistent, you know, it was so consistent that when I looked at the notes, I, I realized that he he was right in my still my profile. I picked the one that was the closest to the sixteen that I that I felt would be the best for us. That's great. Well, Mark yeah, I, always says the best yeah. time to drink is after your first coffee and before your lunch. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing that happens too with music. It, it, 
and I've been making records for for 40 years, longer than that, but professionally for 40 years. And and it's your best take is usually right after you take a, a dinner break, mm-hmm. because your metabolisms. If you're hungry, you'll mm-hmm. you'll play things faster. Interesting. Yeah, you play things faster because you think you're not. You don't have the energy, so you're false. You're false. You have a false front of what your energy is. You see, so so you'll play faster, and you listen back, and you go, "Yeah, that feels pretty good." And then you'll take a dinner break, and you listen, and go, "Ooh, that's horrible." Let's go in and give it a go. And usually, that take or the next one is the one you use. So oh, that is. See, there's see, so many connections between whiskey and music that we didn't even know before. It's the yeah. I, I love that. I, I and I and I agree with you because uh, Andre uh, from uh, the Master uh, Blender for Bareface, he he likes drinking whiskey just before lunch when he's really hungry because he feels his. Uh, his taste buds are most tuned because he's hungry, but I, I find being hungry too distracting. I think I'm with you. I don't, I don't want to be quite a, yeah. Well, it'll mess with you. You know, it's, yeah. it's just the thing. I, after you eat, you, you know, your, your blood sugar changes, yeah. all that stuff matters. And, that, and that's music. And listen to me also, um, uh, music and, uh, and sports, sports and life, you know, they all, they all, they all go together. So it's yeah. all the same, really. Yeah, and I remember Mark saying once, um, which is so funny because like Mark uh, went to the Belveni, the distillery that I work for, um, many many years ago, and did like a deconstruction of one of our our whiskeys. And so um, he came back and described uh, putting uh, like the, the the blend together as like a symphony. So you know you have some whiskeys that are sort of funky and like maybe don't make a lot of sense on their own and there's some that are you know a little too sweet or a little too spicy but then just like you know you would have with like an orchestration you would have like a you know bass on itself doesn't sound particularly like much but then when you put it together um you've got this whole thing so always like i always whenever whenever i talk about you know blending whiskey it is that sort of idea of bringing together all these things that maybe don't make a lot of sense apart and then together they make perfect sense exactly right well yeah. it's, it's just like life this is it's exactly yeah. the same yeah. yeah we do barrel programs which are phenomenal where well, where we can have the you know the club owner the the restaurateur the uh, anybody uh, even even the retail places they can make their own blend they could go great. into the distillery and they can say well I want a little of this two year I want this three year here and I want a little rye here and I want this and they can make their own blend that's great that's something that we don't get that here in Canada that I absolutely love yeah. um, about the states is that you know these wicked barrel programs and you can just get such beautiful stuff out of them uh, and super kind of unique and put your own spin on them and yeah and they become yours they define mm-hmm. what your profile is your taste profile and, and it's 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 I see people so happy with those it's it's really cool oh, that's, that's amazing awesome. no it's great. Well, Neil, I, I appreciate coming on the podcast. Um, you, yeah. you are our first uh, five-time Grammy Award winner on the podcast. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I won't say how many uh, other Grammys other guests have won. <clears throat> Zero. But, uh, but <laughs> um, if, if you could stick around for after the podcast, uh, we, do a, we do a Patreon only. Uh, there's uh, patrons that support the podcast. So we'll do a Patreon only uh, uh, quick five-minute uh, question for you. We'll, we'll put you on the spot about something, which is never putting you on the spot about anything. We'll just uh, ask you. <laughs> the softest bulk. Uh, the, the softest bulk yeah, question softest. you can possibly yeah. get. 
They're like, I pay for this. You ask the person the favorite color. What's going on? Um, but uh, but we'll, we'll do that right after this. Um, uh, so you're, you're kind of, we'll put links to where you can buy uh, your products and the website and, and, and all that. And uh, on social media, I, I see uh, you and your wife have a joint account, uh, Instagram account. That's kind of where you're normally on social media. Or is there somewhere else that you, you We do uh, go the official Neil Giraldo Facebook page. So it's official Neil Giraldo. Okay. Uh, we go to that one. And then I, I believe there's a three-chord uh, Instagram page as well. And there may be a Neil Giraldo Instagram as well. Those are the those are the ones that we kind of go to. We don't really do much with the group with the with the band thing, which is you know yeah. Patricia and I, because yeah. of the uh, association with uh, younger folks that aren't old enough to drink. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. I don't kind of uh, yep. do much with that. Yeah, hey, totally makes, makes sense. sense. Yep, and we'll uh, we'll link to all those as well. Mark, where can we find you on social media? I am Mark Bylock, M A R K B Y L O K on Twitter and the Instagrams. And I am Bourbon Thing. All there you right. go. Still Sounds there. Good. <laughs> Still Bourbon Thing. Uh, Still and, Bourbon Thing. And don't forget there's a contest going on on my Instagram. You can get yourself a pair, a pair of uh, Glencairn glassware, uh, uniquely monikered and all that good stuff. So you can uh, go to Instagram and there's there's one of my posts will have kind of how to do that. Um, of course you need two. Yeah, you need the, two. The one I glass. Know. You got to share. <laughs> Absolutely. We give them out every month. Uh, Neil, thank you so much for getting on. It's been thank a pleasure. So much, uh, it's been wonderful. Thank you. It was fun. 